straight at the beginning I in fact I definitely need to put it on record straight at the beginning that uh, you're a head teacher I'm a head teacher and that's terrifying for me so more Excellent. than anything photography related that's terrifying okay um, I was not a particularly well-behaved student well I wasn't particularly good at school right in terms of behavior I was always the cheeky kid right and they wouldn't even let me be a prefect at secondary school so actually running the show now is um yeah, quite an achievement. Right. Quite hilarious. And you have to go, I don't want to go down the whole teaching thing <laughs> because uh, that's like, I'm like the antichrist to that stuff. But um, you have to go, do you have to go through like being a teacher at a certain level and then yeah. being a certain year's teacher? And how does it, how do you build um, up to being a head teacher? Oh, it's not, it's not time related. You do your right. time in the classroom. Right. I was a class teacher for ooh, 14, 15 years. Right. And I've now been a head for 17 Gosh. So you've seen some transition though in the way like society works around how kids are brought up and uh, a little bit. Um, yeah, I've never actually thought back on, on those things. I mean, there've been some things that have come in, which have made a big difference like mobile phones. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they've made a massive difference. Yeah. Things like when I started, I used to go home covered in chalk cause I had a blackboard and pieces right. of chalk and then it's a whiteboard and, and now it's an interactive no, screen. There's no blackboards anymore. No, blackboards are gone. Mate, now I feel old. <laughs> but you, know, you might go down this retro route where you might get some teacher who uses film in his camera who wants a blackboard in his classroom. Uh, he's got like the, the is it like the, 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 the leather, leather patches leather, on a tweet? have the leather patches, yeah, yeah. That would be the guy. Right. So a young fogey kind of thing. Yeah, that's a weird thing, right? The, the, the young hipster thing now is to basically be an old person yeah. in a young person's body. Yeah. And and, and actually, I, I don't, I don't do film because I remember film when I was younger. It was a pain in the ass. Right. And and I didn't get into the darkroom stuff because I just knew that I'd end up buying all the kit and then not using it because it was just yeah. too much of a faff. I, th so, I think that there's a lot of people though now, I'm definitely aiming this kind of more at my generation, that we do a lot of claiming that we like stuff without actually engaging with it. I so like, like we should bring back film, but no one's actually, not, I don't know anybody my age who is actively working in a dark room at home. I know people who do, but they're, all, but they're always at the beginning of the journey rather than yes, totally yeah. immersed in it. And they're trying it out and I get that and that's fine. And I've, and I've quite, you know, who am I to say don't use film? I just know personally, I wouldn't want the hassle of going through all of that again. Um, you know, you can use computer, use Lightroom or whatever software you're going to use and you can yeah. do all of those things far easier and you haven't got to wreck your bathroom. Yeah. You haven't got to, I mean, it's it's kind of similar to having like a horse and cart, I guess, when we already know yeah. the car's pretty decent. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, there is a thing that, you know, if you if you shoot digital, you've got no soul kind of feeling, and, and I don't get that at all. No. I, I, I hope it, my pictures show some soul, and if they don't show some it's soul, it's a Bob Dylan thing, me. though, right? Bob Dylan walks on stage with an electric guitar, and all of a sudden yeah. he's the devil. I, th yeah. I think it's the same thing. Like, yeah. It's like the, um, I was watching a review earlier for a Leica camera, it's a digital camera has a film winder on the camera, but it's just a thumb rest. Yeah. It's just there for people that like <clears throat> that aesthetic. Well, the X-Pro3 with the film slip slot at the back. Yeah, I, I know that's controversial, but I actually mm. quite like the hidden screen. I think that's quite a good idea. I like idea. that idea because how many shots do you lose by looking back at your, down at your viewfinder or chimping as you're going along? Yeah. 
And I, th- yeah. I think as well, what we do far too often with cameras is we assume that they have to fill everyone's need for everything. And that's where I think a lot of manufacturers are going wrong. Yeah. In fact, I wrote a, a blog about the X-Pro3 and said the one mistake I think they made was putting video function in it. They should have just told video people to piss off. Mm. They've got enough cameras. Make that a street shooter's camera. And then it gives so much more sort of what what in music you would call a, like the clean headroom mm-hmm. to the photo function. So it's not being buffered out by trying to cope with all these extra video features. Yeah, that that's are a in good there. point. I, I don't, I never shoot video. I'm not interested in shooting video. To me, it's a different skill set, a different art. Yeah. Um, I'm not about that, you know, but I think, you know, I think probably the X100 series are the ones where Fuji are really looking at the true street photography. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, the X pro range, is great and is definitely aimed at street photographers as well, but it's perhaps got a little bit more to it with the video function. Yeah. I, d- I just, I, I like the, the sort of democratization of having decent video being available. Cause I think there are people that are obviously very artistic with different formats, but video for the longest time was very much a niche. You had to have a lot of money. Sure. So it's great that it's been democratized, but then the problem with it being democratized is that it's been democratized and there's a lot of shit that's come out yeah. of it. And lots of people that are just producing. <clears throat> I mean, I think one of the worst, probably one of the worst inventions for video has been like 120 slow-mo. Because if I have to watch one more video that is someone making like a coffee yeah. or, you know, picking up their keys to go out and it's all slow. It's, it's, it's Zack Snyder levels of mm. who cares? Like your film is three hours long and 90 minutes of it is just me being bored, waiting for the arduous, boring task that you've put in slow-mo to make it yeah. cool happen. We'll get into where you're going to start filming. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah. I've noticed that the, uh, it's like the rise of the B-roll, mm. like it's so B, if you think of B-roll as just being fluff, mm. There's Most, a lot of fluff. There's a lot of, there's not Just a lot get, of anything but To get fluff. you to the 10 minutes or whatever it is you need yeah. to do to yeah, register. Which, and, which is, um, you know. I mean, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just old now and maybe I'm missing the point, but um, that's not how they used to do it in my day. And damn it, they should do it the way I've always yeah. known it. I mean, democracy is always a good thing, isn't it? And you, and you get that with the iPhone and or whatever phone that now has a fantastic camera in it. You know, they all have good cameras in now and that's done huge amounts for democratizing photography and particularly street photography, you know, everyone, everyone's now got a camera. It doesn't mean all of its quality and mm. you've got to wade through so much more yeah, stuff to get to the, the nuggets really, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, that when there's, um, when there's almost like a threshold you have to get through, I don't want to say financially, but financially, it means that the people that end up doing that medium, whatever it is, yeah. have had to really want to do it Yeah, because they've had to invest. Whereas when the threshold is so much lower, you're getting a lot of people in there that are just maybe just not really trying and throwing a lot of something at the wall and seeing what sticks and maybe none of it is sticking. But um, one of the things I actually really liked, uh, I read uh, through some of your blogs and um, you have a really important tip um, that I really, really think is understated. You'll have to remind me. Which is, uh, you're talking about Instagram. Yep. And it was about curating your feed. Yeah, basically, don't let it fill up with with nonsense and stuff that's just a waste of time. So you lose all the good stuff in the mix. Yeah, and it's very difficult because you know you want to follow your your wife and your friends and the dog and all of those things, but actually, 
as soon as you start following that, you start getting a load of stuff, you know, pictures of other people's meals or their holidays <laughs> or, or, you know, whatever yeah. appearing yeah. in your feed. And, and if you're, that's, that's fine if that's what you want, but maybe have a separate account for that and have a, another one, which is pure yeah. weddings or street or yeah. landscape or whatever it is that you shoot. Well, I now have four. Okay. Which is one for the dog. I have now, I now have five. Excellent. One for the dog, one for me personal, and then my wedding, my portrait, and now this new yeah. street city thing that I'm See, doing. See, I, I have one and it's almost pure street. There are a few friends on there that I follow. Yeah. Um, I've thought about having a black and white feed and a color feed because I don't know whether you've noticed, but my feed alternates black and white and color. Yeah. Um, and your website has that as a pretty strong distinction it does. as well. Yeah. 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 Um, I think really because I've just never really felt that I've found a, a way of representing the two sitting happily together other than to alternate. Right. So I don't know whether it. Do you find that you're sometimes in a color mood and you're sometimes in the black and white mood? Is it like down to how you feel? No, it's down to what I posted yesterday. So I if see. I posted colour yesterday, I'm post black and white today and oh, colour so tomorrow. It's literally so just it's literally alternating. alternating. Right, okay. Um, and I think, you know, I, sometimes when I go and shoot, I will be in colour mood or a black and white mood or I will frame up, frame up to take a photo and I will envisage that it's going to be colour or black and white, one or the other when I finish with it. Sometimes mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I always shoot raw, so I'm shooting in, in colour anyway and then I will process right. it in black and white. But um, I don't, process immediately. I take my pictures and I leave them for as long as I can. Okay. So I was out with a couple of friends, three friends shooting in Shoreditch last Saturday. And I haven't even looked at what I've got yet because I know that there were some shots there that I took and I'm thinking, actually, I'm quite looking forward to seeing that. Mm -hmm. But then I know that I will be too invested in making it work. Right. And I want to sit want back to and give it some distance. Bit. Yeah. I want to be a bit more objective about it okay. because- there's a, there's a phrase that writers use about killing your darlings. Yeah. So, you know, you come up with a really superb idea and you work and work and work at it to make it the best it possibly can be. But the more time you spend on it, the worse you're making it. And actually yeah. what you really need to do is ditch it. There's a fairly quick turnaround to regression from progression with anything yeah. creative. Um, yeah. I've always had the, um, maybe doesn't apply so much to street, but I've always had the, uh, something that I remember reading uh, when I was a musician, which was about recording solos. Anytime you're recording anything that's kind of improvised, um, and it's but improvised, but being recorded. Yeah. So it's your, it's off the cuff, but at the same time, that's the one that whoever hears it is going to think was written yeah. for that particular point. And, and the best, was, the best possible version. Yeah, exactly. And, and basically um, it was a, a guitar player who I'm hugely in love with. And he said that if you record a hundred times, if you record a solo a hundred times and each time you're improvising, he said you'll probably find number six or seven was the one because it's that perfect point between just tidying up the technicalities that weren't quite there on one or two or three when you were cold. Yep. And then everything after about 10 is just you getting flatter and flatter with emotion and like, you're just kind of over criticizing and, and breaking down what you've done until it becomes a technical exercise as opposed to sort of like an expression. So I think, you know, quite often with, with creativity, we do have a tendency to kind of way over analyze. And then yeah. I guess 
to have that ability as well. I don't know how you have that ability to kind of put stuff away and not go straight to it. Like you, you, the fact that you have that restraint is pretty impressive. I think having a having a full time very demanding and exhausting job helps with that because yeah. I get home in the evening and I'm knackered and I think ah leave it for today. Um, but I, but it is I can't always do it. Sometimes I'm really excited and especially when people I've been out with are posting their you know, best nine of the day or whatever it's going to be. You, yeah. You, the temptation to get yours up there or just to put something up there. Sometimes I'll drip feed one or two into the stories on Instagram, but right. they might be, you know, un, untouched really. Just here are a few like notes, sketch, sketches. Right. I see um, this is a little bit of what I was up to today, but uh, I haven't polished it or honed it yet. And you know, then I come round to, to the processing part. So do you, you, did you go out with a group? Did you say? Uh, last last weekend was yeah actually three um, three female street photographers and is so, that common that you would go out and photograph street stuff in a group? Uh, increasingly so. I mean, I think the the social side of Instagram has has really facilitated that, and there have been people who've contacted me and said, "I really like your work. Do you fancy hooking up? Let's go do for a beer. Let's a go for a coffee. <laughs> do you want to do a podcast?" Uh, um, yeah, and then you know sometimes that's that's happened and. Um, it's been good. I've met some really good street photographers, some people I hadn't met before, you know, didn't know them online, but met them in the flesh and then started following them and they're, they're really good. And, and I think, you know, no matter whether you've got one follower or a million and one, you always learn things from other people. Everybody yeah. sees things uniquely. And I think that's the beauty of it. The downside, I guess, is that I've got so many shots where you've got somebody else reappearing in the frame because they're a street photographer and they're walking by with their camera and they saw the same thing and hey there's their right. reflection their right. shadow their camera whatever so sometimes it is better to go on your own and and, and i'm you know street photography is quite a solitary yeah uh pastime and i guess any kind of photography well, I guess, is fairly the way solitary. I, the, what i would be curious of is uh, if you're working in like a fairly busy space yeah. i don't know actually would it be maybe if you're working in a quiet space and there's like three or four photographers. Does that draw more attention? It can do. I mean, I, I went on a, a photo walk that Fuji, I think, organised probably four years ago. Um, kicking myself because I can't remember the guy's name. Matt. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's he does a lot of the. He's a Fuji ambassador. Does a lot of the Fuji walks. Yeah. Um, and we met at Tate Modern, and I'm not kidding. There must have been eighty people turn up and he was there with his GoPro holding it up high for everyone yep. to follow. And in terms of a photo walk, it was quite nice to see bits of London that I might not have known so well before, but in terms of what I got as street photography, it was nigh on useless because it was like having a, you know, blues and twos firing and sirens going off and everything and yeah. saying, Hey guys, here we come. Yeah. It wasn't subtle at all. Um, so you do, I think if there are two or three of you, it's fine. And you know, what, what I tend, what we, what we all tend to find, I think, is that you can be in an area, you start shooting and you come back together every 10, 15 minutes and you have a look at what each other have got. And it's always amazing to see that you've got a completely different set of pictures and, you know, somebody, somebody spotted somebody, someone else has got a kid and you just, you do see things differently. Um, and some people shoot from a low angle and, you know, get great shots with feet. And I don't tend to do that, but, right. you know, so you, you, you look You're at not it. You're from the hip kind of. I, I do. Sh I shoot a lot from the hip. Actually, I actually very right. rarely bring the camera to my eye. Um, and I'm probably almost too quick to do that sometimes. But right. uh, I think initially, 
how come too quick or how yeah, come, how come you hit? think you're too quick to do it? Um, sometimes I think I'm not really engaging with what I'm doing. I'm almost doing it as a, not quite a scattergun because it's, it, that's not what I mean. You know, there are, there are street photographers who switch their camera onto, um, continuous shooting mode and we'll just spray. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't do that, but I will walk up very close to somebody. So you, you kind of want to be more engaged. I, I, th- I think a lot of what I do is intuitive and that's yep. not necessarily a bad thing. I think you do develop a feel and you definitely develop an eye. Um, and sometimes I've taken pictures and then it's only when I've got home and looked at them on the screen that I realized what I've got. And right. Perhaps something that I hadn't realized was in shot, was in shot and actually makes it better. And I never know whether that, that I actually saw it and, or, and was unconsciously aware of it. Right. Subconsciously aware of it or whether I just didn't see it and got lucky. Um, so I think initially I shot from the hip because it enabled me to pretend I wasn't really taking pictures. Um, and I was a bit cowardly about it. You know, it's a brave step going out and taking photographs of strangers, particularly when they are, you know, particularly when your nose is within punching distance of their fist yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And I do get very close to people, as you yeah. can see from some of the shots I've got, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm three feet away very often. Um, most people, when you're that close, don't actually believe you're taking their picture. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, do all sorts of things like carry on holding the camera and looking down the street and looking at your watch or pretending you're the lost tourist or whatever, or holding your phone to your ear so that you look like you're doing something else other than taking their picture. Um, but yeah, I do, I shoot a lot from the hip, but mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things I would like to do is to slow down a bit more, bring the camera up to my eye and properly, properly take my time to get the shot. Having said that, the sort of images that I take like that tend to be more sort of, uh, you know, figure in architecture, figure in geometry kind of images that you do see a lot of on on Instagram, less of the sort of the more humanistic approach where you've caught a moment with, I don't know, a child jumping in a puddle or something. Right. Um, I, I, I wasn't aware I coming miss a in. Lot. When I came in and started sort of really looking at street photography, when I decided probably about two months ago that I was starting to look at doing a project with this, I didn't realize how much of a divide there was in the approach to um, street photography. Because there's obviously some people that look for, um, you know, like you'll get uh, the advertising of of someone's expression. Someone in an advertising will be expressing something and then you get someone walk past it and they get that kind of like, the reaction funny to a reaction type shot yep. or um the like coincidental i think um you know they'll get like i saw one yesterday and i really don't want to say it was one of yours because i don't think it was i was at the camera club desperately trying to keep my attention um <laughs> and it was a, a couple in um in an advertising poster like hugging but then underneath was a pregnant woman walking past right. and she was like looking up. Not That was pregnant. mine. That was yeah, just, yeah, okay, yeah. great. I think that was when we were messaging each other and I was like, right. put my phone on as dim yeah, as possible. I took, that, and- took that in Bologna in Italy. <clears throat> right. Um, and, and that's a perfect example, actually. I saw the picture and I wanted somebody coming past, but I didn't know who was going to come past. Yeah. And to- you had to wait nine months for someone pregnant. Absolutely. Yeah. Nine months. And, and, and yeah, um, I got lucky. Yeah. You know, and, and it was, it, it was a kind of what happens next kind of, scenario the yeah, couple yeah. hugging and then the woman underneath is there an appointment you're waiting that you just kind of go that wasn't the one but that's as close as yeah. i'm willing to put up with. all the time i mean there are, i think there are like you say there are very many different styles and ways of going about street photography and and certainly in terms of 
uh, outcome that's true, you know, whether you do something that's a funny juxtaposition with a poster or something that's a silhouette or, uh, you know, matching colours. Um, but I think there are, there are definitely two types of street photographer and I sometimes I'm a bit of both, but you've, you know, you've got your hunter who, who will go out and is moving about all the time looking for whatever it is they're going to catch. And then you've got your, your fisher mm-hmm. who will find a place and wait and wait That's and wait. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And they will wait there until something takes the bait. So they might find a beautiful piece of light or a, or a, a good frame, an arch or something, and they're waiting for someone to walk into yeah. the shot or you might get a, you know, a yellow background and you want somebody coming through in a red hat. Okay. Well, you might have to wait a long time for someone in a red hat. And if yep. you're prepared to wait, you know, I've known street photographers who've waited a couple of hours Jesus. to get one image. Well, I can't do that. I'm too <laughs> no. restless. No. I, I will wait probably five minutes, maybe 10, if I've got a really amazing spot. All right. So you just go through, let's say this Sunday, you're going to do some street photography. Yep. Your batteries, what camera are you using at interest? Uh, Fuji X-T3. Okay, perfect. So your batteries are charged. Um, Doesn't last very long. No, I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, My batteries are charged. Y- yeah. Well, I, I'm, we're about them. to go Washington on, on Sunday right. and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need about six batteries yeah, just yeah. to be safe, just just in case. Yeah. Especially like Washington is probably going to be protests. So. I mean, I take, I take hundreds of pictures. If I'm out for the day, I will probably take, and you'll, big, you know, gobsmacked having come from a different genre. I, I could take a thousand photos right. in a day. Um, probably a hundred of those might be worth looking at twice. And of those, I might get three, four, five that I'm actually pleased with. Right. Okay. And then across a year, probably three or four that I'm really pleased with and will remember. Yeah. It's, it's a tiny percentage of what I actually shoot. Okay. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that it's worth the, the trouble, quote unquote, of taking those thousand if you're going to get five. Yeah. That's what I think people miss quite a lot is that they think that every photo has to be the photo. Yeah. Um, I find when I, when I've sort of done coaching or I've had second shooters on weddings, that's one of the hardest things. It's like, there's a difference between the the stuff you post online to get more bookings and the stuff that would mean a lot to the fact to the family and then sure. just general storytelling. Quite often you need connective frames. When I do weddings, you need something that ties. Okay. So this is where the reception was and now they're heading in for the meal. So you say, okay, so you need some people looking at like their seating plan, yeah. some people heading in, looking at the stuff. Telling on the, the table. story. Yeah. You need to tell the story where I'm struggling with street. Um, and I've, I've been out, a handful of times, I mean, maybe six or seven at most. And and the stuff that I've been posting is previous attempts, maybe not at street photography, but just at trying to not be me with a camera because yep. I have a particular style because of the stuff that I do day to day. And I wanted to get away from just photographing people that knew it was happening yep. and away from weddings are a lot easier than people think because it's a pre-designed narrative. So you're expected to be taking photos. People are never as hostile as what's made out by wedding photographers. And it's quite easy to give yourself something to photograph at a wedding. Yeah. I go out onto a street and I'm just like, what the fuck am I supposed to be photographing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think music is a very good analogy there, actually. I think your, your landscape photographer, your, 
portrait photographer is very much the classical music. There is almost a set way to do it with yeah. very clear expectations. And you know that if you're going to, I don't know, Ben Nevis, or if you're going to take a picture of Trump, please don't, but you know. <laughs> I you, was planning you, on it, but <laughs> now you've brought it up, I won't. You, you kind of know what you're going to get and what, you know, you, you know what, Ben Nevis is going to look like, you know, what Trump's going to look like or whoever it might yeah. be. And there are only so many ways you can shoot that. When you go out, you know, that's, that's your classical music to me. Yeah. It, it's, it's scripted, it's composed. You go and- So if it, I'm going to take a guess here, you go and you go you're going to say street is jazz. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it totally is because you, you, the better street photographers, it's, you know, it's not just taking anything. It's not just taking a photograph of somebody walking along a street because that's yeah. just blowing the noise down a trumpet and nobody wants to listen to that. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, you, you skill up, you get your chops, um, you learn how your camera works. You, you know, whether you want everything to be crystal clear or whether you want to shoot wide open and have a nice soft background or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to appear to any scene so that, appeal in the best thing in any scene. So you've got those tools so you can react quickly to what's happening in front of you, but you're improvising all the time you're going along. You don't know what's coming around the corner. Yeah. Um, you know, I, when I get up and go off to London on the train, I'm sitting there on the train thinking, oh, I have no idea what I'm going to get today. Don't even necessarily have a plan of where I'm going to go. Okay. Um, and one of the advantages of going with another group of people is that you get introduced to places that they know well and you perhaps don't, and you see things with fresh eyes, which is also yeah. always really good. Um, I don't like shooting where I live, A, because everybody knows me because I've taught them and their parents and soon their grandparents probably. So um, I don't want to be there, but also I think it gets too familiar. It's good to go somewhere where you're a little bit remote, a little bit more objective um, London's great because there are so many people with cameras that actually you merge into the background anyway. Yeah. And, you know, you can always look like you're taking photographs of whatever, you know, the, the red phone box or the bus or the taxi. I, I've, or I'll the tell you one sites. thing I found come really in handy is Ishnish, Swakansi and Glandarian. When someone's like, are you taking a picture of me? And you just say Ishnish, Swakansi and Glandarian. They're like, oh, he doesn't speak English. It's yeah, brilliant. Just, just, just some dickhead tourist. We yeah. don't have to... He's not a threat. It's fine. Yeah. I've, I've got friends who are from Singapore and um, they do exactly that. They they grew up in London, but yeah. they look Asian. Right. Um, and everyone just assumes they're a tourist and don't confront them. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, in the days when I had a shaved head, it was easier as well because people didn't want to ask me. Yeah. I, I have um, to admit, one thing that I have definitely noticed is that I am not particularly inconspicuous when I've gone out and I'm trying to think of ways I can kind of soften it down. Like I think I need to get a pair of glasses or something where I just hats good. I don't look quite so much like I have heroin on me. Yeah. would be a good idea. Yeah. No, um, I mean, it's a good, it's a good point. And you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't naturally dress down. I like to wear something that's a little bit, you know, a bit more than your M and S what have you. So right. I'm used to sort of thinking about what I'm wearing and, almost making a statement, I suppose, with the way that I want to dress. But if I'm going to do street photography- I've noticed photography, you have some nice hats in reflection. I have just some nice hats. Yeah. yeah. If, I want, if I'm going to go off and do street photography though, I don't want to draw attention to myself. So I'll, I will dress dark and right. hold, you know, hold my camera close to my chest. Yeah. Um, and it's almost, you know, it's almost a disguise. I do wear a hat and I don't know why. I think it's, um, it's a kind of confidence thing actually. 
Right. Either wear a hat or a cap. And I think it, I think I take on a persona. Okay. Different person. Um, and I, it, I, and can, it, I can understand that completely. I have, a, I have a game prep for weddings. I yeah. have like a shirt. It's yeah. like my wedding shirt. And, and you have a, a, a process you go through to get yourself yeah. in that place to yeah. shoot. goes back to when I used to play hockey. And it was like Sunday, you've got a game. Saturday night, I was there doing stretches and taping the stick and stuff. Stuff that was completely irrelevant, yeah. but made me get in the right mindset to then actually feel like I was going to do a better job. Yeah, I've got music I listen to when I'm going to take photos on the train. Mm-hmm. I can't listen to music when I'm shooting. Right. But I've got music that you're listening to on the journey. For that, stuff that's that, going on. Or? Yeah. I want to have all my senses right. tuned in. Yeah. Um, I do listen to a lot of jazz coincidentally, but uh, I want to pump myself up when I'm going out taking photos because it's a little bit like it can be confrontational. It, it rarely, rarely is, but there is that expectation and I want to go out there and be... Um, and there are a lot of there are a lot of street photographers that talk about engaging with the people they're taking photos of and smiling and looking at them and um, almost breaking the know, fourth wall. Breaking the fourth wall, and I don't want to do that. I, no. I'm the opposite, actually. I want to be distant and remote. And if I get spotted, I just want to uh, not run off, but you know, melt away quickly. Well, I haven't um, been doing it which, long enough. Which is to- a little bit sneaky, and I don't like that side of it. But um, I don't want to be noticed, and 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 similarly, I listen to music that makes me feel uh, that I'm, you know, I'm in charge and and I'm in control, and I'm going to do this kind yeah. of thing. Do you go out with a preset idea of what of maybe not like you don't know where you're going or anything, but do you have? So one thing I've noticed with your work, and it's quite a common theme. Um, with uh, there's like a particular sort of avenue for this with street photography is that like um, the narratives in the color. Yeah. And I've, I think with, with your work, there's a few photographers that jump, jump out to me, but with your work, I definitely see every color image seems to be quite deliberately in color. There doesn't seem to be an image where it's in color coincidentally, although you couldn't find a reason other than it's in color. Like there always seems to be some kind of compositional reason for it to be in color. That's interesting. I, I think probably I do make a very definite decision between black and white and colour when I get to the processing stage. Mm-hmm. And I think if I didn't know that it was definitely in colour or definitely in black and white, it probably would be a shot that didn't work. Oh, okay. It's quite Possibly. I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm not sure. But, you know, I think colour is something I've had to learn. It wasn't something that I naturally got mm-hmm. my wife will tell you you know she used to laugh at some of the color combinations i used to kind of put together when we were we were younger um and i've had to sort of intuitively learn or not actually no not intuitively and i've actually had to teach myself which colors colors complement and which clash yeah um so i haven't always found color easy i'm not colorblind or anything i'm just ignorant right um and when it's come to processing i I'm very conscious that I used to really over-process. I think a lot of people do when they're starting out and you suddenly realise, you know, you've got the, the raw image and you can do all these incredible things with it, but you, it's very easy to spend too long doing that and yeah. make a complete mess of it. Um, and I found for a long time that actually my black and whites were more successful probably because I wasn't oversaturating or right. that sort of thing. Um, but I think probably if it's, if it's not definitely colour or not black and white, it probably hasn't worked. That's a good way of looking at it. I mean, I think sort of contrary to the current, I don't want to say witch hunt, but there seems to be a bit of an agenda against men at the moment where sort right. of it's sort of okay to in just- street photography or- No, just- in just in life, I think. It's just okay to just kind of 
shit on someone for being a bloke or okay. Um, I well, think it's probably I th- about time, really. We've had quite, it pretty good for quite possibly. I millennia. haven't. I'm 31, so I I don't have the benefit of anything that's happened before. Um, but I think from what I see, I'm I'm painfully analytical of other people. I I tend to really want to work out a lot from people without asking them. I kind of I want to learn as much as I can without being helped. Perfect street photographer. Well, yeah, I just have to get the photography <laughs> side of it together. Um, but I think men are much more, um, they're much better at casting away information that isn't necessary. Okay. So they're very, very efficient with what they retain. And I think sometimes that comes across as being uh, like uncaring or not listening or, or whatever. But I think sometimes it's got to be a product of evolution. Men are better at at only retaining generally the vital stuff and all of the superfluous stuff just disappears. And And I see see with wedding photography, like female wedding photographers are amazing at picking up on bizarre information and details over the course of a day. And a lot of male aren't. They're very good at structural Right way of photographing a wedding day, like a very structural kind of timeline way of doing it. It's the way I do it. It's very timeline based. Whereas I've seen, I can think of a few friends of mine who do wedding photography and and the female ones are the ones that can almost, it feels like a fluid day. Yeah. And I think like with color, I mean, what's, why, why would you need to retain complementary color until you actively teach it to yourself or you mm. actively force yourself to retain it, of course it's going to go past you because yeah. we don't have a need for it. That's the one thing I would say. Like, Could well be. I, I, yeah. I'm always amazed by... One thing I actually want to ask you is when you get those situations where you have like... You said about like there's a yellow, a yellow door, I think you said, and then you're waiting for a red hat or something to that extent. Yeah. Do you ever just get the urge just be like, it was a green hat, I'm just changing it in Photoshop? No. No, and I can't use Photoshop. Right. I, I'm just not skilled enough. Right. I and mean, th- there are so many things with my website and my and Lightroom or, you know, it is Lightroom that I use. Um, there are so many things about processing and about having a web presence and a blog that I just wish I had more time to get right. my head around. And I, and I just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, Photoshop is one of those things that I've promised myself for, probably about five years now that I'm going to sit down, I'm going to spend, I don't know, a weekend, a week, whatever, even do some online courses, whatever, but really get to grips with it. And I probably just don't need it enough. Right. Actually, I, you know, I think the, the thing with street photography, there are so many rules for want of a better phrase, but you know, it, I don't really mean rules. If I, if I changed the hat into the red hat that I wanted, you know, let's say it's a, a yellow wall and somebody walks by in a yellow hat and you can't see the hat, but I could change the hat to red in Photoshop. It would just feel like cheating. I don't right. want to do that. I mean, yeah. to me, you know, I don't, that, that would be, if you go back to the fishing analogy, that would be like chucking a box of fish fingers in the river and <laughs> reeling them in. I don't, you know, Probably what's something the point? you see happening in basic stuff. <laughs> it, well um, it It's, it goes against the code. Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, there are, there are a gazillion different street photography codes, um, you know, don't crop. Well, that's not something I adhere to because I get irritated if something isn't straight. 
to you know say what you like about me, but it bothers right. me. I always try and why do you think you can't level crop? it up? What's the what's the purpose um, of saying don't crop? Oh, I mean, it goes back to people like Cartier Bresson, you know, the, who was really the father of street photography, um, and that kind of idea that you are completely true to what you see. You don't crop. You don't. You don't take anything out of the image if there's a coke can in the in the foreground and um, it just happens to be there. You leave it there, and in the same way, you don't disturb it on the street. You don't kick it have down we, the street and then take. Have we possibly ruled out the idea though that maybe Henry Cartier Bresson just wasn't very good at Photoshop? <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't. Um, but you know that I don't. I don't adhere to that. I think if you want to crop, you want to crop. And, yeah. Um, Who's to know anyway? Yeah. I don't know. And the, the, maybe, the, I'm, maybe I'm missing it. But also, you know, if you if you took six feet further and went closer in, that's effectively cropping anyway. You just didn't at the time. You shot right. from where you were. So, you know, there are there are all those rules. But I would draw the line at altering. You know, taking. I wouldn't. I would never take something out. You know, I would never use the. Um, can't even think of the name of the tool now. But where you know you erase a like spot hill. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use. I would use it to get. Uh, marks off the lens cleaned up that but I wouldn't take out I don't know a telephone line or a right. or a coke can or or something like that if if it was in the image it stays in the image yeah if the hat's red it stays red yeah and yeah. if it's a yellow hat against a yellow door I wait either wait for a red hat or I go off and do something else so this is one that's just popped into my head and I cannot for the life of me think what I would have done but um, it was a thing when I got into photography so I started photography about seven years ago and I noticed a lot of like the online forums that had street photographers in it was like gotta have a picture of a homeless person yeah where do you stand on stuff like that do you think that's a bit um I've got mixed feelings I think I actually even wrote a bloke a bloke wrote a blog about it a really a posh blog back. is a bloke I, a really posh blog yeah um I I can think of two photographs of homeless people I've taken. One was by mistake and one was deliberate. I say by mistake. It was, uh, it was Christmas Eve. I burst into the pogues here. Right. Um, it was Christmas Eve on Oxford Circus and there was a, a guy um, slumped with a great long beard and he just looked a little bit like Father Christmas. Right. Um, I didn't, uh, I don't know whether he was drunk, homeless or whatever. And I, before I'd even thought I probably shouldn't take that, I'd taken it. Yeah. Um, and then there was an, another time there was a guy with a Superman vest on um, who was homeless and clearly a big character and he was sort of playing up to everybody and I took a picture of him. Um, I think generally uh, my feeling is that you don't take somebody, you don't take a picture of somebody in a in a shitty position. You yeah. don't want, yeah, yeah. you know, if it, was, if it was your son or if it was you, would you want that photograph yeah. to be taken? And, and if I feel that I should, if that's the case, then don't take it. Yeah. But there's another side of me. I've, I've always loved history. And there's another side of me that thinks, you know, we shouldn't be airbrushing these people out of, out no. of history. You know, no. they are real. They are a, a, a statement about life today in, in London or Birmingham or Manchester, or whichever city you're in. Yeah. Um, and we shouldn't pretend they're there. So it's kind of more a case of maybe, Photographing them in more of a sympathetic light than not photographing them. I I don't I don't photograph them because I don't want to abuse their position yeah, or yeah. embarrass them or make a thing of them. But mm. I do sometimes stop and talk to them. Yeah. Um. And in that case, 
I haven't done this, but I can imagine a situation where I might stop and talk to them and, and then perhaps take their photograph. But, but I don't tend to do, you know, portrait photography as such. I would, I would, I wouldn't ask somebody on the street, no. can I take your photograph? No. My shots are all candid. Um, the only thing I could imagine doing was if I was going to do a series perhaps on homeless people, I would, you know, in that case, I would engage with them, maybe yeah, yeah. ask to take their photograph, take them for a coffee or, or, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but generally I would avoid photographing homeless people. It's just something that I remember being like a, a big thing. Like right now, the thing is with taking pictures of Sony's in someone's hand, super close yeah. up with a wide angle at 1.4. That's like the, I cannot imagine why anyone cares, but that's the yeah. thing. And a lot of people say you shouldn't, you know, don't take photographs of people on their mobile phones. Right. And I, I don't yeah. get that because the, it, how do you the avoid them for a start? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but also, I mean, it's so much a thing of today. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, I do think one of the jobs of a street photographer is to capture the times that we're in. Yeah, and it's a big part of the narrative of, of this day and age. Like it's a massive part of the narrative. People it are comes into weddings a lot, and like people yeah. just—I mean, my my personal ironic favorite is an iPad. When yeah. someone's gone to the effort of bringing camera. a screen with them yeah. out as a camera, yeah. that's I know. that's yeah. fantastic to me. Yeah, brilliant. And you get a nice glow back on the face very often from yep. people on the on the phone, and especially in low light shooting, that's that's great having that. Yeah. Um. So no, I'm I'm all for shooting people using mobile phones. And I don't really understand why you shouldn't. I think people, I think possibly the argument is that, you know, if they're engaged on the phone and they're busy in a he heavy conversation, you don't know what they're talking about. They don't know you're potentially taking their image. So therefore you shouldn't take it. Well, most people whose photographs I take, have got no idea I'm taking their yeah. photograph. Yeah. And um, to me, I would have thought the one objection I could, maybe I don't agree with, but I could definitely see is that I, I see a lot of street photography. I think the reason a lot of street photographers, I'm probably aiming more at Americans here, like to go to impoverished places to do street photography yeah. is because it looks retro. Yeah. Like people love going to like the poor side of Japan or the poor side of China, poor side of India mm. and photographing it. And then they, they don't have to worry about technology ruining Poverty tourism. Yeah, and it's it's like it's got that cool retro feel, even though it's like when yeah. you really start thinking about what's got in to get that cool retro feel, it's a bit yeah. dark. But yeah. I, I think it's a lot of it's like trying to have a nostalgic feel to an image and make it timeless by removing what we know now. Sure, but I I think in twenty years' time, pictures of people with phone stands is going to be quite funny. Absolutely, because in twenty years' time, we'll probably be communicating through some. Tele chip. Telepathy. So yeah, some chip implanted in our ears or something. Yeah. You know, and, and people holding phones will look hilarious in the same way as we look back at those massive bricks from 30 years ago. Well, you don't remember them, but, you know. I've heard stories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people carrying around something half the size of their briefcase. Yeah. Um, and shouting at it, shouting in it on the street corner. Those look hilarious now. Well, I remember my dad telling me a story about going to the pub with his brother and a couple of friends, I think. And his brother had just gotten one of the ones that had like the big carry battery yeah. and the phone separate. Yep. And the whole time they were out of the pub, he was making phone calls. And I think- Because he could. According to my dad's story, I think he ended up either breaking the phone or really just kicking off about like, if you want to make a phone call, go home. You shouldn't be yeah. on your phone when you're out with your friends. I think, wow, what, what a way to think about things yeah. now. Like- so many years on and now everyone you can go out to a pub and go and have a look you could go to a silent pub these days yeah. because people are just in there some pubs down. abandoned them which i think's not a bad thing yeah really. but you know i've got i've got photos all the time of 
couples who are obviously intimate, very close together on trains, buses, escalators, really close to each other, wrapped around each other, hugging each other, embracing, but they're all on their phones. Yeah. And and it's just, you know, it's great. Yeah. I love that. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's, it's from a narrative point of view, like the more you scratch it, the wilder it gets. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So let's talk about camera stuff. Let's talk about camera gear. It's not okay. really my wheelhouse. Um, I find the majority, I've, I'll tell you one thing I've noticed. I've, I've, I do what everyone does when they get into photography and I, I'm starting something new. I'm starting a new sort of genre. Start looking at YouTube. Sure. And if you put anything in to do with street photography, you get two types of videos. The first is here on my, here's me with a GoPro taking pictures yeah, yeah. on the street. And the second is what settings should you use for street photography? Which is a bizarre because surely it depends where you are, the light you have available. I've never really understood that what settings should I use? I think the mentality. settings, the settings issue is, is actually a bigger deal because you don't have time. Yeah. You know, you've, you've, you've often taken the photograph before you've really thought about what you're taking the photograph of. And right. if you, if you could spend the time that a landscape photographer was taking to frame the shot, yeah, the person would have gone minutes before you were ready to take yeah. the shot. So it's good to have go-to settings. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't shift them about and change them. Yeah. But for me, I generally like to freeze motion. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Sometimes I deliberately want something that's blurred and I'll, go down to 30th of a second or whatever it is. But generally I want to freeze people so that they're, so that the frame is sharp. So I tend to shoot at one five hundredth. Right. Um, after that, I need to make sure I've got enough light. So I will tend to go shoot probably in a sort of, I don't know, F4. Um, I don't usually go to F8 because I don't, I'm not so interested in everything being crystal sharp in the background. Yeah. And sometimes I like things to be a lot softer and, you know, especially if it's an individual, I'll shoot wide open, especially, and especially if it's at night when, when I need the light. You kind of have to. Yeah. So, so I think the settings are important and, you know, I'll shoot with a 23 millimeter lens, 35 millimeter equivalent. Um, and if it's nighttime shooting, I'll stick it on a uh, high ISO, 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 ISO. Some people say, say ISO, potato, I ISO, say ISO. Potato. That's a cool old thing off. Yeah. It's like um, people, it's like the bokeh debate. Yeah. How do you say bokeh? Blur. Yeah. <laughs> like the, yeah. the squidgy bit. I know. Next to the thing you were taking the, a picture that of. That Japanese squidgy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know if you should Google that, but. No, probably not. Yeah. No. It's um, a family show. No, I, no I, but- I, I think like the, the one thing I'd say with street photography compared to almost any other type of photography, and this is coming from a complete amateur, but surely your first thing you should be focusing on if you're thinking about doing street photography is just like, what are you trying to do? Like what's, what is it that you want to do? Do you want to have pictures of people? Do you want to have them aware of you? Do you want them to break the fourth wall? Do you want to be kind of covert about it? The settings to me, it's, it's like when I get, I'll get messages off of people who want to do wedding photography. And usually it's either, they don't even like say hello, which is just a great way to start approaching someone if they're willing to cut off a chunk of their business and give it to you. Yeah. Um, but they'll say, um, what cameras do you use? It's like, does not matter. Absolutely doesn't matter. Absolutely irrelevant. Right. And then it's like, what? one of the questions I've actually had more often than is really even, it can drive you a bit mad when you think about it, is what settings do you use for a wedding? 
And my dad would say, which how long is a bit of string? That's a really crazy question. Yeah, like which, well, which, which of part wedding? of the day? Yeah, exactly. what, what, where am I? What yeah, time yeah. of year is it? Yeah. I mean, the same thing does apply to street photography. But, you know, I mean, settings, for me, I shoot with a 23 millimeter lens because that seems to be the one I'm happiest with. And I've tried all sorts. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, partly because I want to shoot with a small discrete lens. I don't want to drag a great big four. Are you on the F2? Out of interest. Is it the 23 uh, F2? The 1.4. Okay. I don't, I don't want to take a 400 millimeter lens down with me because I don't want to carry that about. Yeah. It's impractical. It actually, when you're, when you're shooting somebody from 50 yards away to get a close up of them, that does feel a little bit creepy mm. and a little bit stalkerish. Yeah. I'm not interested in doing that. You know, I think if somebody catches me and says, you've just taken my photograph and I'm within speaking distance of them, then fair game. Yeah, I did. I'm, and and I took it because actually I think you look great or you're in, that's an amazing hat or, you know, what a brilliant expression or it was a perfect moment. I, you were just lighting your cigarette, whatever it was. I'm happy yeah. to explain it. And if they punch me, they punch me. They, <laughs> they haven't yet. Um, but I don't want to wander around with a with a massive lens. And, and 23 millimetre seems to work for me. It's 35 millimetre. I've actually said for the longest time, if you want to, if you want to learn photography, like the quickest way, the, like the, like the, as the, as the crow flies, the fastest way to be really comfortable with a camera is you put a 35 mil equivalent yeah. on a camera and you, everything you photograph, you try and do it in five frames, not one. You try and do it in five. Right. So someone making a coffee is, seems to be a fucking thing. Everyone has to photograph or film or whatever, but someone making coffee in five frames. Tell me the story in five frames. I want like a close up of something that's like an interesting way of, yeah. an interesting perspective on something <clears throat> that we see in a different way. But I also need the narrative. I need the different angles. It makes you work so much harder. People hide so hard behind like long, and I'm, I'm a portrait photographer that does a lot of long lens, wide open stuff, yep. but they hide so much behind just blowing out backgrounds and therefore it must be a good photo. But you won't usually get the luxury of five frames when you take a street photography. No, that's slightly different. I think street photography, like I wouldn't be, if I was starting photography, it's kind of a, this doesn't really make sense the way I'm going to say it, but knowing what I know now, if I was to start photography, I wouldn't start with street. I think street photography is something that you kind of need another idea before you go into street photography. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I think it's, I think it is demanding and challenging yeah. because it's so fast and yeah. you've, you've got to know your way around the camera. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't start there. And actually you could start with an iPhone or a phone. Other phones Absolutely, are available yeah. folks. Yeah. You know, you could start with your, with your phone. Yeah. Whatever the best camera is the one you've got with you. As somebody famously once said a million times. Nice. Chase Jarvis made the book. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure. He's right. If you haven't got a camera, you're not going to get the picture, but yeah. if you've, you know, if you've got a phone with you and you can, t- you can take that picture, then, take it and, yeah. and, you know, cut your chops that way, learn that way. Um, for me, small lens, the 23 millimeter, 35 millimeter equivalent is apparently roughly what the eye sees anyway. So yeah. it's about, it, I think the eye is like 42. So, but yeah. I, like I've always, I found myself the other day doing this where I was like trying to look forwards and work out how wide I was seeing. But then yeah. every time you try and see how wide you're seeing, you kind of- You start moving your eyes. And then I realized I was in public and I just looked like an absolute <laughs> mentor and I needed to be yeah. uh, a bit it's more right. discreet. I'm a photographer. Yeah, just stood there holding a camera in Borough Market, just looking out the side of your eye. It's not a yeah. particularly clever thing. Yeah. No, I think like with when it comes to learning photography, I think the two things you can do 
the, the help, well, the two things everyone should be doing is, is review and, and replicate. So when something works, review why it worked and yeah. then try and replicate the scenario in which it happened. And then you develop style. Yeah. Whereas like as an overall, um, sort of eat, uh, like an ethos for photography, I think any creativity, you have to have two things. One is a clear direction. Like you have to have some idea of like, have a taste, develop a taste, Yeah. like find someone whose work you like and just aim in that direction. And the second thing is you just have to have blind self-hatred. <laughs> like it's so helpful to not love your own work. Yeah. So the people that I know that are so in love with their own work, they have not moved in five years. It's just the same stuff. I think that's very true. And, and you know, you, you don't, you, we're not starting from a blank canvas every time, you know, we're not starting from nowhere. There are people who were taking street photographs long before we were born. Yeah. And presumably if you want to go out and take street, it's because you've seen images that other people have taken and thought actually, Hey, that's a thing. Yeah. I didn't realize that there was that vast back catalog of street photography out there. I didn't realize street photography was a thing. Um, I went out with a couple of mates who had got me and persuaded me to buy a camera. Really. I was shooting things with my phone um, anything and everything. And, and one of my friends said, well, you know, let's go out. We bought, I bought a Fuji bridge camera and we went out and we took some landscape shots and things. And I thought, oh, that's all right, but it's a bit boring. I don't really, yeah. you know, landscapes don't really do anything for me. So we then started, decided we were going to do the Monopoly board in London. And we would go to uh, say Liverpool street and take some photos around the station. Um, or we'd go to Mayfair and take some photos around Mayfair. And we didn't, we didn't really have, um, uh, anywhere to display this or to do anything with it. Um, you know, we thought about maybe we should do the colors of the board under the photos, but we never did. Right. We just had a, you know, a few really good days out with a few pies and pints at lunchtime and good crack. Yeah. Um, but it was on one of those occasions when I was, we were up in just, just North of Soho, somewhere just North of Oxford street. And I saw a woman bend over, uh, on the other side of the road outside a, barber's shop that had a picture of a frog lifting off a top hat and I timed the photograph so it looked like the woman was wearing the top hat right and I didn't it was rubbish actually she was blurred and it and it, the timing was off right but something clicked inside and I thought that's quite funny I could see if I can get some shots like that and then that was the first time I thought actually taking pictures of people and making something humorous or juxtaposing something there's something in that. And then yep. I started looking around and of course discovered that there were hundreds, millions, thousands. And the numbers go the other way around, don't they? Hundreds, thousands, millions. Well, remind me. There's, there's hundreds um, of thousands of millions of everything, unfortunately. Yeah. That's and the scary and street thing with photographs the out there. So, yeah. you know, that was when I realized actually this is a thing and, yeah. and it's something that excites me. It, it is, um, it's a real adrenaline rush for me in a way that I can't imagine being excited about a landscape or a, macro, macro f photography right. or, you know I, I don't know what I'm going to get I've got the the free song if you like of not knowing whether someone's going to be A notice me B be against me C be supportive you just never know and, and they're all fleeting moments um, and you turn a corner and there's something happening or not happening or the sun's shifted or there's a hilarious poster or you just never know what you're going to get. You get and chaos theory and something just throws itself up that you didn't even see coming. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a huge rush. I love it. Do you, um, do you give yourself like projects where. I'm you... not good at that. Right. I, I, okay. I, I think because 
the nature of the way I work is so random. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even really know where I'm going when I, when I sit out and I follow my nose or I follow the light or I follow somebody in a hat or somebody with an umbrella or whatever it might be. And then, you This know, is why I couldn't do it. And then if they, I followed someone in a hat, I would just end up yeah. getting arrested for following someone in a hat. And then they, you know, they turn into a shop and then you find somebody else or you go back the way you, you know, and, and that is a meander. Yeah. A lot. And I'll pause for a bit and I'll go for a coffee and I'll take photos and add to the window of the coffee shop or whatever. And it, yeah. and I never really know where I'm going. Um, there are things that I know appeal to me and, and I've, I'm building up quite a collection of images that have got Coca-Cola somewhere in them. It's better um, than Pepsi. A logo, absolutely. Yeah. Um, or just the red from the reflection in Piccadilly Circus. And I've thought maybe, I, you know, over time I'd build up a collection of those, but I haven't gone looking for them. So I, there's, <clears throat> when I when I do portrait stuff, I hit a wall really hard with portraits about two years ago. Yeah. And what it was, I thought it was that I was becoming like a bit creatively empty and I need to keep finding like ways to trick myself into enjoying it. So yeah, yeah. I came up with all of these little projects <clears throat> and I would have like, I restrict myself to this piece of equipment or I would have to shoot in this certain lighting setup or whatever. I'd, I would repeat a process and it would be a series. And that yeah. worked really well for an extremely short amount of time. And I would keep coming back to this feeling of like, eh. And what I realized was actually the, some of the people I was working with were just exhausting me. Yeah. And that like, I wasn't enjoying the process of working with certain people and it's not like their fault or it's not my fault. It's just sometimes you have two different types of personality and they clash and what we ended up with, we might both have liked, but to get there was battle. Yeah. 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 Um, and I've, I now think like photo projects are so important to kind of fight through not enjoying something, but I've had to, like you were saying about how you have to sort of teach yourself to stop doing something. Yeah. I've had to, teach myself to stop thinking that when I hit a rough patch, the immediate thing I should do is steer into it. Sometimes maybe it's directing me away from the thing that I'm not enjoying. I think everybody, everybody who is creative does hit a rough patch or a barren spell or whatever you want to call it, writer's block. And I think very often the way is just to shoot through it though, to be honest. Right. Um, and if, you know, I sometimes come back and I think oh, yeah, I've wasted my time. I've got absolutely nothing. And when I do look at the images, however much later it is, there might be one or two things that I'd forgotten about or are better than I'd at first hoped. Mm-hmm. I th- you know, almost every single time I come back from a photo walk, I sit down and I look at the images. When I sit down and look at the images, I think, well, I've shot hundreds and actually they're mostly rubbish. Right. Um, and it, it when you, I don't delete much, but, I, you know, I tend to save shots, even shots I don't particularly like. I will save them just because I've got the record. But if it's, ridiculously blurred or I've missed the person completely, I'll delete it to save a bit of space. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be quite soul destroying because you think, you know, that's not, you know, 90% of what you shoot is crap. And I know Martin Parr says shoot more crap as the way to get right. better. And he, and he's right in many ways because the more you shoot, the better you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but, you know, going back to projects, I think it's important if you are going to shoot a project, you're shooting something that you're passionate about or yeah. at least interested in. And I, I suppose, on my website, I've got a couple of things. One was a day at Notting Hill Carnival. And not that I'm passionate about Notting Hill Carnival, but I knew that it was going to be really rich and vibrant um, and a street photographer's dream in many ways. In some ways, it was actually almost too much because it was, there was, where do you start? You know, yeah. It, was, it yeah. was needles and haystacks and there was just so much going on. I suppose as well, when you're attuned to kind of trying to find something and then something's everywhere. Yeah. 
it's really hard to then narrow exactly down what's so. important. The, the other thing I tried to do was um, a football match, not the game itself, yeah. but the, the crowd beforehand. And um, I happened to be in London when uh, United were playing Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll wander down Stamford Bridge. It's an area I know reasonably well. And I just walked about and watched the crowds coming and going before the game and tried to get a bit of the atmosphere. And I, to be honest, I didn't find it as fulfilling. It just seemed, I suppose there's a difference between street photography and documentary photography, and it was verging on the documentary photography. And, yeah. I, and I lost some of the uh, the edge of the street, I think, somehow. Right. But they were okay. We had, um, so we've done three podcasts this week, which is crazy. Wow. We, we yeah. don't normally get, we get a lot of kickbacks on doing them because people are right. People think it's either a video and they don't want to have to do their makeup to talk about okay. stuff or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I don't do video. And I did my wake up for nothing. <laughs> well, you're looking a lot better than I am. So <laughs> I have to say, I feel like I really underdress for it, this. It's aging experience. Yeah. It's, it's, you're showing it for definite. Um, I have to ask two questions. That I, I think I would be really pissed off if I didn't ask you. Okay. So the first one, and there might be questions within this, I do apologize. But the first one is where is your favorite place to photograph? Oh, wow. Um, I think to some extent it depends on the time of day. Mm-hmm. I love Soho at night. Right. I, I love Soho actually. If I, if I could only ever shoot one place again, I'd, you know, for the rest of my days, yep. if I had to stick to a boundary, if I've got some kind of tag on my foot and I wasn't allowed anywhere else, yep. I'd probably say Soho. Yeah. Um, whatever the weather, whatever the time of day, it's just fascinating. And, the, and I always seem to find new places, you know, little alleyways and, and things and it changes so much as well. You know, the signage changes, the shop, the shops change, and the people are constantly changing. So, yeah, it's just it's vibrant. It's it's great. Okay, and my second question is, uh, I always want to put in like a one A in there and just ask whether where your least favorite place is. Least favorite. Have you ever had like? Is there somewhere you've gone to and you just had no success repeatedly, or you just hasn't no, done it but for you? That there are. <sighs> Like I said earlier, I, I find it really hard shooting in my own, I, mean, I live in a small village and, and I find it really hard shooting there. Um, and in fact, although I nearly always take my camera with me wherever I go, if I'm going down to the village shop, I have to remind myself. Um, and I don't, I've got very few photographs that I've taken at home, as right. it were. But having said that, um, a year and a half ago, the fair, the village fate was on on the Sunday afternoon and it was one of those um, you know, small Surrey village, fate, duck pond, lovely old pub, beautiful church. I always think of the Father Ted, uh, the village fair where it's like the tunnel of goats. It, exactly yeah. that kind of thing. You know, the strange <laughs> tunnels made of hay bales that yeah. children go in and scream. Yeah. You throw um, stuff at a coconut for some reason. And there's, and there are about seven people there. Yep. Anyway, I went, I went down and took the camera and just happened to see this, what I think was a granddad sitting on his own in a marquee with a a row of chairs, rows of chairs. And he was right at the back row looking thoroughly cheesed off, Mm -hmm. but holding a a, a helium filled balloon, which was, he was saving from floating away, which he obviously saved for one of the grandchildren who was going to come back and rescue him at some point. And I took the shot and um, it got me into the British photography awards finals. So You know, I would say it's probably my least favourite place to shoot, but possibly has been my most successful photograph. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. So, All right, so yeah. anywhere in the world that you haven't photographed that you really wish you could go to? 
Um, I'm not a huge travel fan, but I love cities. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if I was going to go, if I if you were going to give me a ticket now as my reward for doing the podcast, I would. <laughs> I'd love to shoot. I'd, I've been to New York a few times, but not as a street photographer. Yeah. Um, I'd love to shoot New York in the snow. Yeah. Well, I'd we're going on the 1st of February, so well, I've go. got my Happy fingers days. crossed that we're going to go. When you say we're going, do you mean you and me? Yeah, I'll tell Jamila she's not coming. She's, you can come and She wouldn't like it. Yeah, no. Um, she's, so, been, she's been. Uh, yeah. So yeah. New, New York in the snow would be fab. I love, I love shooting in Paris, although I think French laws are a little bit against street photography. Yeah. Um, they've, got, they've, got, they've gone a bit Hungarian with it. They have. Um, but, you know, that, the irony isn't lost on me because Paris is very much the birthplace of street photography. Yeah. Um, but I love Paris and it, and it's just a beautiful place to shoot, but, yeah. but London's fantastic. So I'm, str- uh, I'm struggling with London. If I'm honest, I'm, I'm, I think I'm very much an American soul and I really, I not to sort of develop how many people are in England now, like 67 million or something, not to develop. Is that like, many? It is getting pretty, pretty high up there. Kept up while I was asleep. Well, the people do a lot of stuff overnight. Um, yeah, that's true. But not to put a load of English people against me here or anything, but I much prefer America. I much prefer being in America. Like, I just feel like street signs don't annoy me right. in America because they're American signs, whereas the okay. ones in England are just ugly. And the the cars, because they're not what I'm used to saying, like cars is a real thing for me. I found with weddings, I can't have cars anywhere near photos unless they absolutely have to be. Because I think, firstly, they date it, but they also add like a a financial discrimination to a photo. Yeah, if true. you have like a Clio see, yeah. in the background, people make judgments on what's gone on yeah, there. Yeah. I can't explain But I think the it. dating part of it is important, isn't it? You you know, in 30 years' time, you look back and go, oh, what a fantastic car. You probably wish not it was with Not with wedding photos. I'm trying to avoid that with, with right. yeah, I don't want it to be like really obviously dated. Yeah, I want yeah. it to kind of, I want, the people to date it and the look of the people more than the vehicle. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I, um, I mean, I can see what you're saying. I don't, I don't necessarily agree, but, um, Oh, mine's gone blank. Terrible. Well, I, I really York, want to go to Chicago. Yeah. I'd like Chicago would be good. I'd like to go to Tokyo. Yeah. I I, one thing good. I would struggle with is just like, how do I get yeah. food? Yeah. Because I cannot even begin to understand how I would communicate yeah. with people there. There point, was a point to your mouth and grunt. But uh, I, I, well. going, back, <laughs> going back to what you were saying a minute ago uh, about cars and signs and things, and yeah. you know, the passion for American signs and American cars, they they feel the same for you know the red pillar boxes and the red phone boxes and the taxis and things. And I think embrace it. You know, London's got yeah. all those iconic things that I you think can I'm going to have to train myself to embrace it. I, I like the idea of getting. Shots, street street shots of people with something which resonates London in the background. So you know, an, an out of out of focus Big Ben or just the shard or something. Yeah, yeah, I like that, which gives it a sense of place, so that you know that it was London. Yeah, I think I've got a lot, lot obviously got a lot of learning to do, but I've got to learn to like London a lot more than I currently do. It's not like I don't like London; I love going there, but just photographing it. If you said to me, I could spend three weeks where I just had to ride trains in New York and just, just going back and forth on the subway and photograph. I'd be yeah. like, yep, I'm fine with that yeah. because there's so much interest. And well, then I go to London there. and I'm just like. But I, I, I shoot loads on the, on the tube and in stations and escalators. I've got so many shots on escalators that work. 
Yeah. And and one of the things I love about escalators is it's it's a little bit you won't remember the generation game, but it was a <laughs> TV program with yeah. a conveyor belt. Your prize things. comes through, right? Yeah, and the prize is not your just your prize, but a whole series of you prizes. You had to like remember the order. Eyes. Yeah. Is that right? Well, that's what an escalator's like, isn't it? So like you don't have to remember the people. You just stand there. Yeah. And as a street photographer, one, two, three people at a time. Pass you find yourself your going eyes, up and down and up and down to kind to of wait for well, the you, moment. I haven't actually done that, but you could. Right. Um, but just, but and the tube as well, you know, you stand on the platform and your next set of subjects appears every 30 seconds or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I'll find, I think I'll find my niche, but yeah, struggling with it. I mean, a few years ago I had a job to photograph a few people that were going on Love Island yep. and they wanted to obviously have a career beyond Love Island, which did not pan out. Um, and I found a way to enjoy that couple of days. So I guess I could probably find a way to enjoy street photography in London. But like, I, I'm finding myself like so excited about going to Washington and going to New York. And now we're planning Chicago that like now it's like, do you want to go to London? I'm like, eh. yeah. So what is it? Is it that you're going to be doing street photography in those places? Yes. Is that, is that what you're going for? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, for the last two years, I've gone to New York on my own. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's like a cleansing thing. I'm away from weddings. I'm away from portraits. I can walk around with a camera. I can kind of fall in love with taking pictures. Yeah. Um, but there's no plan. There's no format. I tend to do the same thing in New York, which is you go to Chinatown, you go across the Manhattan bridge, walk down through Dumbo, come back over the Brooklyn bridge. That's a wicked loop because yeah. you get loads to photograph in that time. Um, the Manhattan bridge is, is amazing as well. Cause you get a better view and literally nobody knows it's there. Because everyone's just drawn straight to the Brooklyn Bridge, so you're yeah. you're, you're on your own. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, loads of criminals have gone through before you and cut holes in fences and stuff, so you can just you All know part of the service. Very very kind of them. Um, Washington's like we've never been, so it's more to kind of sightsee. But yeah. I want to do some street while we're there. But, but don't yeah. you think if you took the time to you know if you took a weekend or five days or whatever and went to London every day, which you could do from here, yeah, um, as a as a break from weddings, mm. if you went with that mindset, I think you'd get it. I think so. I'm, I'm one thing I'm definitely looking at is to find people that do it. And like you were saying earlier, how you went along with people and they yeah. show you somewhere you haven't seen before. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of looking for is, is a way to we should, kind of, we should go out. Well, I'm married, but well, so am I, I'm not going to lie. I'm flattered. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to. It's, it's, um, it's just something I think would help where, you know, if you want to, if you want to get good at something, it's usually good to be around someone that's good at doing it. Sure. You just kind of trying to learn to cook in your kitchen with just a bunch of ingredients and no clue. Yeah. You usually just start a fire. Ask you don't, questions. It doesn't often come up with masterpieces. So yeah. um, we're pretty much there, but I want to make sure everyone can find you. So what yeah. are you on Instagram websites? And- uh, I'm Instagram um, at Huey Raw. Yep. H-U-E-Y-R-A-W. Yep. And my website is www.hughrawson.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming down and doing this. Absolutely. And for dressing up. (laughs) Thanks for having me.